Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Force inside. Jokic, Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports and coverage. And this is going to be another fun podcast today. The Nuggets have finished up their three scrimmage games. They lost to the Magic in their last scrimmage game before the eighth seeding game. So we're going to talk about that third scrimmage and what went well, what didn't, who played, who didn't, and what we can look forward to. Um, Some takeaways from all three of those scrimmages, as well as a look at which players shined and which players struggled in those scrimmages. Of course, we will finish out answering questions from listeners as I love to do, but one other thing I'll be hitting on at the end of this show is Michael Porter Jr.'s Snapchat question and answer that he had that was very controversial and um, quite dangerous in my opinion. So we'll get into that. I'm not going to spread the ideologies that he has necessarily spread. I'll bring up what his idea was to a degree, but I don't want to just start here, start spreading exactly his ideology because that is exactly against what I want to do. Uh, still though, I got to give a shout out to a couple people. Shout out to Bet Online, who has been just a phenomenal sponsor of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, as well as Blue Wire podcast as a whole. You'll hear about them after, or for our second break, after we talk about some more Nugget stuff and get a lot of information on them and how you can get a free welcome bonus to go start betting during this whole staying inside and trying to stay safe during this pandemic process we are also dealing with. In addition to them, Deal Dash is going to be a new advertiser on the show. You're going to hear about them here in about five minutes when I get into their advertisement. And we're going to talk also about Greg Olson's show, Tight End One. That is what you just heard on the pre-roll on the way into the show. And man, what a cool process it is. It's really cool to see Blue Wire getting so many athletes to use their voice in a productive manner. And to be able to see Greg Olson, Baron Davis, Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, and all of these people using the Blue Wire Podcast Network as a platform to get their voices out there is a really, really cool thing to do. So make sure you go subscribe to Greg Olson's show. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, go subscribe to this podcast if you somehow don't and you're just listening through Twitter. It's the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give it a five-star review. Go leave a comment for me to look at, whether it's good or bad, whatever it may be, and share it with your friends. Put it on social media, whatever it may be. If you support this show, I appreciate you so much and it's going to just get better and better and better now that the NBA is starting to ramp up once again. So 
like I said, we're going to take a break here in a second, so we, and then afterwards, we'll talk about the Nuggets' third scrimmage, everybody who played, we'll talk about some takeaways from the three scrimmage games, as well as look at which players played well and which players may have struggled and what concerns the Nuggets may have going forward now that they have finished their scrimmages. So, we're going to take that first quick break, we're going to tell you about Deal Dash, and I will be back on the other end to talk about these Nuggets scrimmage games. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things that you would never expect. And what's even cooler is that it's at a price that you would never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and goes up one cent every single time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item ends up going to you for the price it was just at. So, this is how it's going to work if you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering my listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up, and that is on top of their other discounts. Here's how you're going to do it go to dealdash.com and use offer code MOUNTAIN or type in dealdash.fm backslash mountain. That is D E A L D A S H dot FM backslash mountain to get the free extra 100 free bids from just listening to this podcast. Go to dealdash.com and enjoy those deals. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire podcast network, and it is time to talk about the Nuggets' third scrimmage game that they had before getting into the scrimmages as a whole and really kind of try and take away whatever we can from these Nuggets scrimmages, which, to be completely honest with you, is not much. There's enough to talk about for sure, which is why I'm here talking about it, but I would not make any grand proclamations based on these three scrimmage games based on how few players the Nuggets Nuggets have had in the fold. So let's just start with this third scrimmage game. We've talked about the first two. Um, the Magic faced off with the Nuggets. I don't know who was home and away, doesn't really matter, but the Magic came away with a 114 to 110 win. The only reason that the score was even remotely that close was because the Nuggets had Bull, Bull, and Co. go absolutely off in the fourth quarter to make it a close game. Overall, this game really wasn't that close. Um, Jonathan Isaac came out in the first quarter and just was beyond the best player on the court for both teams. He was doing whatever he wanted. Um, the Nuggets defense was extremely inconsistent. They still turned the ball over. Their shot selection left some to be desired. But overall, it wasn't a bad game. Uh, the Nuggets were able to get some reinforcements back in Jamal Murray, Will Barton, and Michael Porter Jr. It was the I believe it was the debut for all three of them. Torrey Craig was playing in his second scrimmage game, as was Paul Millsap, who missed the second scrimmage game because he missed his daily COVID test prior to it. So the Nuggets went from eight people available for their first scrimmage game to um, and, and their second scrimmage game to 13 players available for their matchup with the Magic, which definitely gave a little bit more of an ability to try and have some takeaways from this game. So 
the first and for, the first thing that I think we we need to talk about is how good Jamal Murray was in this game. He played 25 minutes for his very first playing time since the season hiatus against an other, you know, an opposite NBA team, not, you know, playing and practice against his own guys. Uh, 25 minutes, scored 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting and 3 of 6 from 3 to go with a perfect 4 of 4 from the foul line. Had 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, and 2 steals in this game, and was a plus 4 in those 25 minutes despite Denver losing by 4 points. So, Overall, a very good Jamal Murray game, but it goes beyond the box score. It wasn't just the numbers he put up, it was the way he was able to get there. His three-point shooting was phenomenal. He, Whenever he was open against a drop defense, the dude was firing. And this is something that if you've listened to this show or read anything that I've commented on on Twitter or in my articles, you know Jamal Murray and the types of shots he takes drive me crazy because he seems to take the tough shots and pass up the easy ones. That did not happen in this game. There was a play where Jamal Murray had the ball on the left wing way back. Like he was probably another six feet beyond the three-point line. Nikola Jokic came up the floor and set the screen for him. Jamal Murray peels off to his left using the the Nikola Jokic screen and has the defender now trailing him. Instead of having Nikola Vucevic, the, the opposing center, play up the floor, he was in a drop, so he was down at the free throw line area. So instead of Jamal Murray trying to dribble himself into a contested long range two, he just pulled up for three because the drop defense is, what, is exactly what they were giving him. And he switched it. It was a gorgeous look, and that was the kind of set that we don't see enough of from Jamal Murray. That's the kind of look that he needs to be hunting. He had a couple other pull-up threes in this game as well as a catch-and-shoot three. That's what led to his three of six attempts, which was very, very, very promising. Um, In addition to his three-pointers, though, it wasn't just that. He looked very good defensively. Um, Very good might be a stretch because it's a scrimmage, but in the confines of what we were able to analyze, he looked very good. He was legitimately giving great effort on both ends of the floor. His rebounding was there with the four boards. He was trying to take smart angles and stay in front of guys. He was fighting over screens. I was really impressed with the defensive performance that Jamal Murray put up. When it comes to his defense, I understand it's one scrimmage game, so it's very easy to be like, oh, his defense is better in a single-game sample size, but the biggest issue with Jamal is that his, not his effort, but his impact has been inconsistent on that end of the floor, but that's not really the point. Most most point guards at his age, with him slowly working his way into fully understanding NBA basketball and the speed of it, it's very difficult to defend the point of attack at that level, so it's going to be inconsistent, it's going to take time, just like it did with Mike Conley, but you're seeing a top-end ability defensively from Jamal Murray. You can see that when he dedicates himself and he gets down in a stance and he stays extremely aware and mentally focused on the task at hand on that end of the floor, that he can be a positive. We don't know how sustainable it is. We don't know how uh, predictable his defensive impact will be. But I think a very important realization from not just these, this scrimmage game, but going back throughout the season, is that Jamal has more of a top-end defensive ability than a lot of people gave credit to, including myself. That doesn't mean that he's a good defender. He is not there yet, and he can still be targeted depending on the matchups that exist on the floor. But again, Jamal has shown an ability to be a productive defensive player at times, and we saw that once again play out in this scrimmage. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of Jamal Murray is his creation ability. His passing was crisp, and this is important in the scrimmage game because he hasn't played with his guys for so long, because he hasn't had a lot of time to get on a court and play against an opposing defense and create for his teammates. 
And yet, despite all of that, he came in crisp and poised as a playmaker for this Nuggets team. And that's going to be very encouraging because if he can do that, in the postseason, the Nuggets will no longer have to rely on Nikola Jokic for every single shot creation that they have. He Jamal Murray was okay as a playmaker in the playoffs last year, but he's going to need to take another step forward as a creator for his teammates to really be able to take the pressure off of Nikola Jokic to then unlock other aspects of this Nuggets team. So I think that was also very encouraging. Again, it's just a scrimmage, so I don't want to go too much crazier on Jamal Murray, but all very, very good things. Let's move on to Michael Porter Jr., who had 19 points on 8 of 13 shooting in 20 minutes in this game. He was 1 of 5 from 3, hit both of his free throws, had 7 rebounds, 3 of which were offensive, 1 assist, and 3 turnovers to go with a block. Um... All that people were looking to see from Michael Porter Jr. was one, that he was healthy, and two, that he still understood the role that he was supposed to play on this Nuggets team. And all of that came through, in my opinion. He was a very productive off-ball offensive scorer. He did a good job of trying to be active on defense, despite being a step or two behind the curve, being that he is a rookie. And he looked athletic. I think that's probably the biggest thing. I've spoken about this as well before on this show. Michael Porter Jr.'s athletic ability has slowly but surely improved every step of the season outside of his ankle injury at the end of the year. The fact that Michael Porter Jr. once again looks extremely springy is very um, indicative that his back is improving, that it is getting better. That does not mean the long-term lifespan of what his back can take is improving. I don't know how that plays out, but That does not mean that we can't look at how Michael Porter Jr. has progressed as an NBA athlete and not give some credence to the fact that this is probably him healthier than he has ever been before. And that's why we're seeing the athletic ability return to what it was when he was still playing in high school at Nathan, when he was just freakishly athletic at his 6'10 size. So that was very good. He hit some jump shots. He got to the rim. He was still rebounding. He blocked a shot and probably altered a few more than just that. So overall, all good things about Michael Porter Jr. on the basketball court. I will talk after the after we talk about the basketball portion um, and we get into that second segment that I, then I will talk about his Q&A he had on Snapchat, which was extremely problematic, and I'll get into that later. But again, on the basketball court, Michael Porter Jr. looked very, very good. The last player that I want to talk about in a positive sense from this game is Bobo. Bull Bull did not play much. I believe he only had like seven minutes heading into the fourth quarter, um, something like that. But I believe he played the entire fourth quarter of this game, got some good reps in, played 19 total minutes, had 10 points on four of seven shooting, hit both of his three pointers and had six rebounds, one assist and one block. Again, it was just fun to see Bull Bull be Bull Bull. The guy is just freakishly talented. When you hit two, when you I mean his three-point looks are just absurd. I mean, he's unguardable when he attacks closeouts and pulls up. He, there is just so much touch on his shot. He has better handles than he is being given credit for. But man, when that dude gets put in pick-and-roll defense, he is an abject disaster right now. And it's going to take time for him to learn how to operate in that um, in that scope. So... 
Bobo was fine, played garbage time minutes, still looked good, grabbed some rebounds, was able to show off that skill set that is so enticing for so many. So overall, positive stuff from Bobo, but nothing revolutionary in terms of what he was able to do. Uh, last thing I'll say is that Nikola Jokic had his most epic I don't give a fuck game. It was just, it was beautiful. He was 0 of 1 shooting, had 0 points, missed both of his free throws, had 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 6 turnovers to go with 2 steals and a block. Nikola Jokic knows that scrimmages are legitimately and definably meaningless in terms of the overall um, scope of where your season could end up. This isn't going to change seasons. This isn't going to change how good you're going to be in the postseason. This is just to get your legs back, and this is just to get chemistry back, and Nikola Jokic does not necessarily need to worry about those things as much as other players do. So... I th it's just absolutely comical to see Nikola Jokic trying things that are, like, absolutely absurd. I mean, he, people say that, that players will throw 94-foot outlet passes. Nikola Jokic literally, he, okay, this pass was under the rim from the out-of-bounds line. He was on the baseline about to inbound the ball. He one-hand rifled under the rim. Like, legitimately 94 feet right into Paul Millsap's breadbasket. The shot didn't fall, but no one tries that stuff. Like, Nikola Jokic is in complete not-give-a-fuck mode. And while it's really fun, it has not led to good basketball. So, I'm not worried about Nikola at all. I mean, Nikola's Nikola. He doesn't care about meaningless games. So, this is all very under understandable for me. But it was interesting to see Nikola Jokic just literally not care. And I thought that I felt that was notable. Uh, Will Barton did not play in the second half of this game. I don't know if it's precautionary. Malone said afterwards that he was on a minute restriction. He played 18 minutes, so I'm guessing that was his 20 minutes was probably around the restriction time, and there was no reason to give him two minutes in that game. Uh, one of five from the field, hit a three-pointer, had two rebounds and a turnover. Nothing nothing special. Uh, Will has not really had a chance to play much at all in these games, which I'll get, up, get into a little bit later in this segment, but yeah. That's about the takeaway. Um, Jonathan Isaac was godly. Oh my lord. It was just beautiful to watch him in that first quarter. He played seven minutes, was five of six from the field for 13 points, hit both of his threes, and had seven rebounds and an assist to go with two steals. He was a plus 18 in seven minutes. Like, absolutely mind-boggling performance. But, I digress. We will leave that there. It's okay. The Nuggets lost, whatever. It was just a scrimmage. So, what can we look at as bigger takeaways from Denver's three scrimmage games? Well, it's going to be hard for a lot of these things to be solidified takeaways just because the Nuggets have been so short in terms of their roster. They only had eight players in their first scrimmage game, only eight players in their second scrimmage game, both of those scrimmages in which they only had one guard, and then they finally had a better complement of players in their third. So very difficult to pull big takeaways from this, but let's just talk about a couple. These are some negatives. These are some concerns that now exist from these scrimmage games. Uh, the Nuggets turnovers have been abysmal. I mean, that, that's even being nice. Like atrocious, blasphemous. There are like no really true terms to describe how bad these turnover issues have been. They had 25 turnovers in a 40-minute scrimmage to begin their three scrimmage games. Like this Nuggets team is throwing the ball all over the place. And Nikola Jokic has been one of the worst um 
culprits in terms of these turnover issues. We'll see how much it plagues them in the seeding games. I think it's going to hurt because the Nuggets have always kind of been turnover prone when they get careless. So we'll have to wait and see, but the turnovers are very concerning and Michael Malone has not been happy about them. He has been vocally upset to the media, to his team, to anybody who will listen about these turnovers. So that's going to have to change in these eight seeding games in a big way. Uh, the other issue has obviously been the lack of active players. Jamal Murray has played one game. Torrey Craig has played two games. Paul Millsap has played two games. Will Barton has played one game. Nikola Jokic, by all accounts, has played zero games because the dude could not care less about basketball, it seems like, in this bubble right now. Paul Millsap only played two games. Um... There's, there's concerns here. I mean, Monte Morris and Gary Harris have yet to see a minute in these scrimmage games. They're, they have not had active bodies, and it really goes beyond that, too. It's not just the lack of active bodies. They can't practice. Like, that's the hardest part of this for this Nuggets team, is that when you only have nine guys and one of them is a guard for the first two and a half weeks of being in Orlando, how are you supposed to get five on five? This has almost been like a wasted two weeks of practice. This might as well just be one-on-one -on -one player development practice. You can't fully get a lot of work in when you can't run a basic offensive set. I mean, fucking Michael Malone was running point guard for his team because they were so low on guards and they just needed to see what it would look like to have another guard on the roster because it has been so long since the Nuggets have played in that fashion. So that's concerning, man. Like This Nuggets team has not had the practice time to be able to sh like actually prove what they can do and to start working through a lot of these issues that they currently have because guess what the season has been off for four months it's not going to be easy to get back into it so this has essentially been um, not entirely wasted but a wasteful two weeks of practice because of the lack of players the Nuggets have had to deal with and now they got to get everyone back on the same page this Nuggets team has not started seasons well they have not come out of the all-star break well they need to find a way to start quicker and to get on the same page and they have done nothing but hurt their opportunity to do that based on the way that things have played out in this bubble so all of those things are incredibly concerning and what's even more worrisome is that the Nuggets really didn't have very many positives to take away Away from in these scrimmages like sure Bull Bull looked great Jamal Murray and Michael Porter in their only game they played look awesome that was all good to see woo but again it's a scrimmage this is one game they don't tell you what this Nuggets team is going to look like going forward um I will say this the Nuggets were getting players back as the scrimmages continued which kept their morale high and nobody got hurt so those are all good things I guess but there is almost nothing that you can take away from these scrimmages that is meaningful or impactful for this Nuggets team in my opinion and that's just kind of a bummer uh let's quickly go down and just talk about who looked good and who struggled for this Nuggets team and kind of just and what this could mean going forward uh Bull Bull talked about a shit ton everyone knows where i'm at with bull bull it's very fun but again three scrimmage games is not indicative of sustainability or predictability as in terms of what he can produce at the nba level whenever they weren't running zone defense bull bull looked lost like had no idea where to be so it's gonna take a long time Anybody who expected him to know where to be was completely mistaken from the start, but it was fun. Bobo looked good, Bobo hit threes, Bobo blocked shots, Bobo did a bunch of Bobo stuff, and it was a lot of fun to watch, and it made the scrimmages worth something, I guess. Uh, Jamal Murray is probably the next 
good player who shined. Um, again, his defense, his shooting, his playmaking all look superb in that very first, or in his only scrimmage game, Denver's last scrimmage. Uh, same can be said for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, gave lots of defensive effort, learned how to play off-ball offensively clearly because he was able to play very, very well off-ball offensively in this game and is still very tall. Mason Plumley might be the most underrated player from the Nuggets scrimmages. That dude is balled out, man. Like, he's putting up five assists a game, grabbing rebounds like crazy, playing some point guard. Genuinely impressed with what Mason Plumley has done. He has really been the glue that has held this Nuggets team together throughout these scrimmages and practice time with so few bodies. So overall, Mason Plumley deserves more credit than he has gotten for his... um for the, the play that he has had in these scrimmages. I still don't know how much that will help his argument to get playing time in the playoffs because the Nuggets are so deep, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Uh, next player, Troy Daniels. It was good to see somebody hit threes. The Nuggets just don't have as many people who can hit threes regularly, and they need somebody in a pinch that they can pull in off the bench just to go hit threes. And Troy Daniels shows that he has the confidence and the ability to play that role. So overall, Troy Daniels played well. Um, I don't think that the Nuggets are going to be looking to hold on to him as a rotation guy going forward. He seems much more like a fifth guard kind of player, and they already have that in P.J. Dozier. But overall, it's nice to have some extra shooting off the bench. Uh, last player I'll talk about in a positive sense from these scrimmages was Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant was a... Uh, he got the opportunity to dribble a bit, open up his offensive game, run some pick and rolls, attack the rim, hit some pull-up jumpers, which was a... Uh, an adventure from time to time, but it's very clear that Jeremy Grant has more skills that he can start to work into his game than he has previously been able to. And that's very exciting. It's something I've, I've always believed about his game is that his handles are better than advertised, as is his ability to create for others. He has some decent vision as a passer, and I really hope that that gets to shine a little bit more. But the more important thing going forward is that defensively he was defending guards, and that was very good to see because when they, whenever they try... Um, Denver, I'm speaking of, whenever, whenever they try to play a defensive lineup, I have a strong suspicion Jeremy Grant will be playing small forward because you want Paul Millsap on the floor at power forward and you want Nikola Jokic on the floor at center. So to see him actually defend guards on the perimeter productively once again after all of this hiatus was encouraging. And let's hit three players who have struggled and or not played, which is concerning to me. Uh, Nikola Jokic, again, just doesn't care. I don't know if that's concerning. I don't find it concerning. I mean, Nikola Jokic doesn't care about meaningless basketball games. Go back and watch what happened in November. Like, this is what Nikola Jokic does, so I'm not really concerned about that. Whatever. Will Barton only playing one half of basketball is extremely concerning to me. Um, I know that he had a minutes restriction. They're being precautious. But Will Barton, after he had that um, lower body injury last season, or sorry, two seasons ago when he missed a lot of the playoffs, he... Um, <laughs> he did not come back the same player and he still had moments where he was the same player and then he followed it up with a career year this year but I really really hope that that injury is not more concerning and that he is going to be okay and the exact same thing can be said for Gary Harris who has not played at all in these scrimmages hopefully this mysterious lower body injury is just precautionary and he will be able to play in the seeding games to come we'll have to wait and see we really don't know what to expect but that's kind of where we're at. So, 
The Nuggets went 1-2 in their three scrimmage games, and they are now going to take on the Miami Heat on Sunday for their very first seeding game. This is where it gets real. But we're going to take our second break, give you a word from Bet Online, and I will be back to answer some questions for listeners and talk about Michael Porter Jr.'s Q&A on Snapchat. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. It is time for our final segment. And as you guys know, what I like to do is take questions from listeners and try and answer them and you know, potentially provide some insight that maybe I wouldn't have thought of bringing to this podcast. So thank you to everybody who always sends in questions. It helps a ton and it really allows me to venture out into some different topics that I do find very important. Um, Stuff that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who interacts with those questions. They are usually sent out before podcasts. But yes, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you guys. But Before we get to those questions from listeners, we got to talk about this Michael Porter Jr. Snapchat question and answer he had because it's it's unavoidable now. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to read to you what he said because I think that it's extremely dangerous to spread conspiracy theories that can lead to the loss of life. So for me, I am not going to bring up his actual quotes. All I'll say is this, is that Michael Porter Jr. was spreading conspiracy theories that COVID is being used for population control and then talked about anti um, being an anti-vaxxer and against vaccinations. Um all on Snapchat for his millions of people and fans to see, especially once it reaches Twitter and other social media accounts, blows up, it gets aggregated to USA Today and ESPN and all these different places. And now suddenly there are millions and millions of people reading Michael Porter Jr.'s thoughts. And if my mentions were anything to use as a gauge, there are a lot of people who would just blindly listen to Michael Porter Jr. without doing their own research. And that's extremely problematic to me. I thought Michael Malone, when asked about this in his press conference yesterday, hit it perfectly. He said he's not going to, uh, quote-unquote, muzzle his players, and that he also feels that everybody should be able to be uh, able to speak their minds. What he did say, though, is that he hopes that they would think about and understand the impact of what they're potentially saying. Um, Michael Porter Jr. was apparently spoken to by, by Tim Connolly, according to Michael Malone. Malone had only fa- found out like a couple of hours before 
before on the way to practice, so he didn't have a great picture of what was going on. But that's concerning, and this comes back to a lot of other things that have happened with Michael Porter Jr., whether it was talking about how he hopes God has love for the murders of George Floyd, among other things like that. So, the reason I bring this up is because it needs to be stated. When you are a professional athlete and you have a platform of that caliber, your freedom of speech is 100% in your right. I am not saying that's not the case, but when that freedom of speech infringes on the safety of others, there becomes repercussions that then violate other people's rights. And that's absolutely problematic and dangerous. If people start dying more often because they listen to Michael Porter Jr. for their news and how they feel about this coronavirus, which, let's be honest, in the climate of this country is very possible, there is a serious possibility of people being hurt because of the remarks that he made on Snapchat. So, Again, I'm not a virologist. I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic. I don't know everything, but what I do know is that vaccinations do help. There is plenty of science behind all of this. It has been debunked that vaccinations lead to autism. There are so many things that you can go out there and read and take time to educate yourself to understand these things better. And unfortunately, it does not seem like those are being mentioned, and it seems like... Um, it seems like learning has become overrated for too many people. And this comes back again to Michael Porter Jr.'s thought process. He spoke after the game that people in Missouri weren't taking COVID seriously and laughed about it. Like, it's those moments and it's that lackadaisical attitude to something that has killed over 150,000 Americans that definitely leads uh, to a problematic viewpoint that can then hurt others. So hopefully that there's somebody getting in Michael Porter Jr.'s ear to try and teach teach him. Hopefully there's some vets getting in his ear. Hopefully he's learning. I don't know. It's not my, I mean, I, I don't want to ever tell somebody how to feel, but this is something that is problematic and can lead to many people getting hurt because of his remarks. So in my opinion, it needs to be addressed and he's, he needs somebody to point him in the right direction to help at least fill in these gaps that maybe just aren't filled in for him. Um, I don't have anything else to say about that. Again, I don't want to like read the comments. If you want to find them, they exist everywhere. I put out the video so everybody can see it without with context, um, without, you know, taking out pieces and all that kind of stuff. So it's up on my Twitter. It exists. I don't want to, again, get into it, but the, that was very problematic. And if it's something that's going to continue, that could be concerning for the nugget, for the Nuggets down the road. But we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully that a 21-year-old 20, you know, kid can learn and can grow like everybody else has. Because just like me, I was a dumbass at 21, 22. I didn't understand the world in the way that I do now. Experience is important. And I do think that he can absolutely learn and grow. So we'll have to wait and see, um, but that's where I stand on the Michael Porter Jr. Q&A fiasco. Let's move on to some questions from listeners. This podcast has gone long, so I only picked three of them this time, and they all kind of have to do with the playoffs. So let's get into it. Ross Homan asks, where do you think MPJ will fit into the playoff rotation? Uh, this has a lot to do with how he plays in the seeding games, but if, the, if his one scrimmage has any kind of indication as to what we can expect, I would say that Michael Porter Jr. will be the first or the second player off the bench for the Nuggets. Simply, they need him. 
without having another jumbo wing, the Nuggets' overall ceiling falls quite a bit. That's not going to say that the Nuggets can or should rely on Michael Porter Jr. in the playoffs, but they're going to need that archetype of player. So in my eyes, I think he'll play somewhere between 16 and 20 minutes a game, and I think you'll see him play some three and some four, and I also think he'll be either the first or second guy off of the bench for Denver if he plays well in the seeding games. If his defense is a disaster and he's making bad decisions offensively in the seeding games, that might change quick. But that's not something that I can currently speak on because we haven't seen it yet. Um, But Michael Malone does not like players who play that way, especially in the postseason. So I wouldn't think that Michael Porter Jr., uh, he, he has a very good shot of making this playoff rotation, in my opinion, and being high up the ranks, but he holds his own destiny. He has to play the right way. Jordan Scott asks, do we think Jamal Murray has turned a corner for good or is he going to keep struggling with consistency? Um, One scrimmage is never going to be enough. And Jamal Murray plays through so many injuries. I think that's a part of his inconsistencies. So until all of those things are addressed and he proves he can be consistent, I'm not going to fully put all of my eggs in that basket. That being said, the ceiling on Jamal Murray has seemingly gotten higher. The consistency exists more. He's hunting those kinds of pull-up three-point shots that warp the court more. His defensive ceiling has grown, and his ability to create plays for others has also grown. So maybe there is something to it, but he needs to show more before I can feel good about saying he has turned that corner. Last question. Jets and Nuggets fan on Twitter asks, nine or ten-man rotation when the playoffs get here? Who is left out if it's nine players? So... In my opinion, the Nuggets will probably start the playoffs trying to play a nine-man rotation, or more like a nine and a half. Let's put it this way. I think the Nuggets try and play 10 guys, but Mason Plumlee does not get that many minutes in the, in, in the beginning of the playoffs. As the playoffs progress, I have a strong suspicion you're going to see Mason Plumlee get virtually eliminated from it, because the Nuggets bench unit is just factually better when they play smaller. And getting more Jeremy Grant together with, with Michael Porter Jr. playing small with one of the starters out there with Monte Morris, that makes a ton of sense to me. So this is my thought. The Nuggets will start who they've always started, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, and then we'll see some mixture of Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, and Michael Porter Jr. as the first three guys off the bench. Torrey Craig is that defensive alternative whenever he needs to play him, and I think we'll see probably between 8 to 15 minutes of of Mason Plumlee a game. I know that's a broad scope, but I really don't know what he'll play yet, but I think the Nuggets are going to need to play him less if they want to be able to keep up with some of these playoff caliber teams. That's all I got today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you learned something today. Uh, thank you again for sending in questions. Thank you again to Bet Online. Thank you again to Deal Dash. Again, go subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Go out and leave a comment. Share it on social media. All of that stuff helps a ton. But until next time, I hope you guys have a great day and happy basketball.